0: hello maverick fans welcome to season four of the mav puck cast i am jason still and i am
1: john and i had an exhausting summer so i'm kind of looking forward to some hockey this fall
0: are we are we ready to go huh i think we're ready
1: to go although it's an interesting schedule the way that it 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 kind of uh came out this season i was uh i was kind of surprised by the uh But I guess the balance between home and road games throughout the season, it was uh, was a very interesting schedule. So we'll be talking about that today.
0: I don't know that it can trump what uh, we had last year, though, right?
1: No, I don't. uh, I don't know that it can with the with the uncertainty and the pod games and then the second half of the season where we had seven home games and uh Bridget and I were at all those home games I know you and Jolene weren't and we missed you guys there and we missed a number of the fans there who chose uh chose not to come but uh but we survived we made it I know that there were some people who were concerned uh concerned about it but uh it worked out okay and it was it was actually it was kind of fun to have a you know an arena that was only like like 25 percent or less full uh for those games to be perfectly honest. So he had room to stretch out, put your legs up. Yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a nice relaxing hockey experience. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm anticipating that it won't be that this season.
0: I'm looking forward to being at a game again. It was something that was uh, very difficult last year, kind of missing a lot of those things with the, with the pandemic and stuff. And so hopefully this year we get back to some, resemblance of normal but you know as many home games as we have to start off the season this year there's just nothing like the uh pod games that we had last year where we got to go on the road to Baxter and all that so
1: well those yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yes Jason enjoyed me on the podcast uh you know explaining why those weren't really like road games <laughs> because we were playing in our arena and everybody's like well we're on the other bench we're wearing our road uniforms it doesn't matter. We're playing in our arena, so I really do think that that was a great benefit for the team. Um, I think it helped them a lot. And uh, you know, originally UNO had anticipated we we learned that UNO had anticipated being able to have fans for those pod games, so that would have been uh, kind of a fun a fun deal for fans. But instead, we had our our cardboard cutouts there, and uh, the team did really well when our cardboard cutouts were in attendance last season.
0: Are you bringing your cardboard cutout to the games this season?
1: (laughs) It's. I mean, it's. We probably have room. I mean, it's usually only Bridget, myself, and my dad, and we have uh, five season tickets. So I guess uh, we technically have uh, room for them. Certainly before coat season starts, we've got room. uh, We've got room for the for our uh, avatars.
0: Well, maybe we'll have to bring ours too then. So you and O we'll talk uh, we'll talk kind of towards the end about uh, quote unquote preseason in the past UNO's had the uh, you know we've had Manitoba and a you know a Canadian team come down or something and, and, and played them as kind of a, a warm-up type of thing. Um, don't have that this year. We'll have a scrimmage, so we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, to kind of take its place. So the first game at Baxter arena, October 2nd and third, we got Lake superior state coming to town.
1: Yeah. And in, uh, in UNO schedule reveal on, uh, the, uh, Omaha hockey account on Twitter, they actually let fans announce the home games for the season. And, uh, Bridget and I got to do that Lake Lake state series, uh, as our, as the one we revealed. So yeah, that'll be really, a, that'll be a great series. Um, you Know they were an NCAA tournament team last season, and I know that that sounded ridiculous to me, so oh, that'll be a great series. That's a totally non committal comment whatsoever, there, Jason. But uh, it'll be kind of cool to uh start the season off with one of our old CCHA foes. We haven't played Lake State in a, a while, and uh, I love playing those teams from the uh, upper peninsula in Michigan, so uh. It'll be weird starting it off, like you said, without an exhibition. The last time we did that was the 2015-16 season when Baxter Arena opened. We didn't have an exhibition game because the arena was not open yet. And the exhibition came in uh, early January. So uh, UNO mm-hmm. was on the road the first few games, and then they opened that season with uh, the Air Force Academy. So so yeah, so if you look at it, we've got Lake State first, but the the kind of the interesting thing about this season that that we've all talked about in our in our uh, text chain uh, uh over the past uh, couple months has been the fact that we play 10 of 20 home games between October 2nd and November 6th this season and that is a that is a that's kind of an in your face way to start the season by getting half of those home games out of the way early on. It, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna make for an interesting dynamic the second half of the season. We we other than January, we basically after uh the November sixth game against Miami, we will only have one home series per month, other than in the month of January. And I think in January, if I'm looking correctly here, we've got one at the beginning against Denver on January 7th and 8th. And then one January twenty first and twenty second against Duluth, so it's going to be it's going to feel a little bit thinner in that in that December kind of December Thanksgiving timeframe at Baxter Arena when normally we're used to getting at least some games during that time, and I think considering everything that's going on with the you know COVID still going on and the Delta variant or whatever we're up to at that point, the gamma variant or the Zeta variants or wherever we're at at that point, it might be kind of a nice idea to not have so many games right around the holidays, you know?
0: I remember Dean Blaze said in a, in an interview one year that he liked early road games, that it was the opportunity for the team to kind of yep. come together and gel because when they're at home yep. here in Omaha, you know, they have the opportunity to go out and do things and the team can, can, can become kind of disconnected. Um, you know, the, every, every team forms kind of clicks, right? Like some guys just gel well, hang yep. out a lot, right? You know, maybe they're roommates or something like that, you know, and when you go on the road, usually the team dictates who you're, who you're bunking with in a hotel. They dictate, yep you know, where you're going, when you're going and all that, like everything becomes very structured. And so I remember thinking last year with the pod, like, I wonder how that's going to work. And I think that the benefit that we got was that because of COVID protocols, you know, the teams were... At home, but they were really operating very much like a road things where, you know, everything was structured and scheduled and you yeah. didn't have a whole lot of outside interaction. Absolutely. And, so- and,
1: and you and UNO know, last season in the pod, they stayed in a hotel like everybody else, they stayed in one of the, right. the uh, Exarvan Village hotels, so they kind of got a little bit of that sort of road trip camaraderie, and you know that from right. taking road traps How, like your daughter does travel hockey, it really builds kind of a cool bond between the parents and the the kids, and everything else happens on that trip and. And just me going on trips with different people that we've gone on trips with, whether it's a you know hockey trip or business trip or kind of a personal trip type of thing, you really do bond more. There are those kind of serendipitous moments uh, and experiences that you have together. And you're right for a, a team, and especially for the new players, it allows them to bond together. So,
0: yeah, like fire alarms going off in the uh, in the <laughs> airport. And...
1: Well, I will say that that trip to the inbound conference in 2019. I'm not uh, sure I understand. You, uh, you, uh, Jolene, Bridget, and I, we uh, we definitely bonded on that trip. You get to know people yeah. a little bit better. So it, you're, that that comment from Blaze is absolutely right. In some of our best seasons that we had under Dean Blaze, we had a lot of early road games and a lot of them were tough road games. So, so I see what you're saying. Obviously, the pod kind of benefited UNO getting to play at home, and it's almost like they kind of have a pod again this year by getting to play all those games at home. But I, it kind of would be interesting if they had a, a big road swing. And I will tell you, uh, you know, once November hits, you know, they play, you know, at St. Cloud State, November 12th and 13th at Alaska Fairbanks, November 19th and 20th. Then they've got a homestand December 3rd and 4th against Colorado College. Then they're at Western December 10th and 11th and at St. Lawrence, December 31st and January 1st for their New Year's season. So uh, for their New Year's not New Year's season, New Year's series. So. That'll be kind of an interesting thing too. They start off at home and then they head out on the road kind of during the holiday season. And again, but I don't know, I don't know what that'll mean for them. Like you said, sometimes it's better if they start those games in October on the road, it helps them see where they're at. They kind of bond, they have some road success and then they can come back home and kind of everything's put together at that point. So it'll be really interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, the coaches will be, when you're home, you you have more distractions. You have family obligations, you know, pick up kids from school and whatnot. And, you know, I know Gavin's kids play son plays hockey and stuff. So there's, there's that commitment, you know, like even if he's not having to do things like you still have that in the back of your mind, you know, whereas like, if you're, if you're at Alaska Fairbanks, there ain't a whole lot of help you're going to be. You right, know, So you exactly. can kind of knuckle down and focus on some of this stuff. So I think just from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint, um, you know, we'll see kind of how they gel and 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 what happens with them. There's a lot of things that I think work out in their favor with the schedule this year. Yep. You know, you have the trip to Alaska Fairbanks, right? Right. But the nice thing is, is that when you get back from that, you don't have a next weekend series, so you get a nice break before yep. you have to get Kara college at home. So a, I get a break from a long trip yep. to to there and B I get, I don't have to go on the road again. My next series is home. So I get to come home, you know, get my stuff together, get situated, get back to work. Kara college comes in. It's not like you've got North Dakota, right? Right. There, exactly. You know, right. Yeah. You. Like this is a team that, that, you know, you have a realistic chance of beating, and that that you know from a competitiveness level, like you're not going to stress nearly as much about. It. So I kind of like that. That that's the way that shook out. Um, you know, the New Year's series is is a nice break to go up to Canton and uh, play Saint Lawrence. You're you know, it's a new team to my knowledge. We've never played Saint Lawrence in any aspect, right?
1: Uh, I... I know you you'd
0: know those more than I would, but.
1: Boy, we we talked about this so. summer. Boy, this is one of this is one of those uh, critical moments on the podcast where people are going to totally ding us online. I I thought that we had played Saint Lawrence, uh, and I may be thinking that. Because let me let me look. You just keep talking, Jason. I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you you look it up, but I will say personally, you can break me if it's wrong. I was the one that I think. But like I said, like I just don't, you know, didn't grow up here, so Jason has Jason has an excuse.
1: Everybody, Jason grew up in Colorado.
0: We I was a DU fan, yeah. Um, sorry, but yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm uh, okay. So I'm whoa, okay. you got it. I'm looking it up. They've got it. They've got this nice and organized on. The UNO website, it's in alphabetical order. Yes, so UNO did play St. Lawrence University. It was a two-to-two tie. One game? January 2nd, 2010. I'm I'm going to say that that was uh, likely a... It was either a holiday tournament or maybe they did a road swing back east. I honestly can't remember. But since we're hmm. here, Jason, I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go to the schedule. Poor Jay- Jason's like I don't worry, Jason. I remembered I, re- I thought I remembered playing them. I can tell you we haven't ever played Brown in the Ivy League. So there's there's, you know.
0: A there road. Was a, to... There was something on the Mavpuck about like on the forum about who we've played and who we haven't played, and I wanted to say, like, on the names that people were throwing out, like I remember there being a lot of that Ivy League league. The you know. Yeah, the EC. I know we played teams. Harvard, but like Brown and Colgate and those.
1: Okay, so yes, so this was, believe it or not, January first and January second, we played in the Denver
0: Cup. Uh-huh. the old Denver Cup. Seriously. Yes.
1: You may, and honestly, you might have been there for that Denver Cup.
0: That there's a good chance I was okay.
1: So Jason may have been there. I don't know if he attended the uh UNO St. Lawrence game, but UNO lost Friday, UNO lost Friday (laughs) seven to nothing to DU, and uh, then we uh won Saturday, I think let's, let's look and see where that game took place. I have no idea, but it, I, I'm, I'm assuming Denver and I'm assuming that was the Denver cup. And, and so it was a tie, a tie game. So yes, we have one game historically against St. Lawrence. So it'll be nice to kind of refresh that, uh, all time history against, uh, St. Lawrence. And, uh, Heading out to Canton, New York, and that'll be a neat trip for the for the players for sure. I know that yeah. they've enjoyed those uh, trips to the Northeast around the holidays in the past, so that'd be cool. That'd be a cool. One. So to the go other nice to, thing I like traveling. is that yeah.
0: The only nice thing I like is that we get our first shot at Denver again this season.
1: Yep, right after the first at year. home. Yep.
0: Yeah. So I, I like that. That kind of worked out that way. That. You know, that's been that team we've talked about on other podcasts. <laughs> Excuse me. That's the, been the team that just has kind of been had our number, let's say, yep. for quite a while here. So I know in talking to the players and stuff that I've seen around town that uh, it's still on their list of, you know, really wanting to get back at Denver. And so to have a crack at that at home first instead of having to go to Denver, I think, you know, helps them out.
1: Um, Yeah. And and what was nice was we did have some success against them last season, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because there has been kind of a monkey on our back regarding uh, Denver the last few years. Uh, You know, there was a period, you know, seven, eight years ago where we had uh, quite a bit of success against them, but uh, not so much. So, you know, we split with them in January last season. We split again with them in February on the road at magnus so mm-hmm. yeah great opportunity for them to uh to uh continue their improvement against du and i think they have a real opportunity this year so and you know i think that uh the team has a lot to offer this season
0: yeah put it that way. so every year there's always a team that we only put pl- an nchc team will think we'll- Make sure we qualify that. Yes, there's always an NCHC team that we only play on a road, on the road, and then a team that we only play at home. Um, we only play Duluth at home. We only play Western Michigan on the road. The challenge there, I think, is is that from at least the a lot of the pundits and the hockey writers and stuff, uh, Western Michigan uh, and UNO are going to be, you know, two teams that are kind of fighting in that middle of the pack. That's where they have them, right? And yep. so the challenge is, is, that our only chance to gain the six points on them is going to be on their ice, right?
1: Right, and and we've uh, we've had our struggles up there the past few seasons. So yeah, that'll be it'll be weird not playing them twice this season. But uh, yeah, and we get that out of the way in December, so we don't see them again. Uh, we don't see them again to the, until the second half, and
0: uh, if at all. I mean, who knows how the playoffs? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Postseason we may will not be. See that's again. that's
1: what. Yeah. Postseason would be the only opportunity, and and we get Duluth at home. And so this is not going to be the season that I finally get to scratch off the one NCHC venue that I have yet to be to, which is uh, up there in Duluth. I We have not made that road trip yet, and it is not going to happen this season.
0: Maybe next year. Well, it should Maybe be next, next year. It so. should be next year, yeah. Because they should rotate onto a two-team... They should have wrote on the two teams. So yeah, we play them twice next year.
1: Yep. So,
0: you know, I think the last for me, at least, we'll see what you say. But the last thing for me about the schedule is going to be the final home game. You know, we get North Dakota at home this year, yep. so it's nice to. I always like finishing, you know, at home. Hopefully, it's not the last games of the season at home. Hopefully, those campus site quarterfinals we get to see one of those here would be a first, but.
1: Yeah, it, it'd be awesome. They were they were close last season, and it would be fantastic to get to see a, a home a conference playoff hockey season uh, at Baxter Arena. Yeah, it would be uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Last season, it could have happened, except they decided to hold all of the conference playoff games in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So we had to. We had to go on the road and, and take on uh, DU in the first round of the NCHC playoffs. So it'd be pretty cool to get somebody here at Baxter for that. And finally use our playoff ticket credit that we've, <laughs> that we've been rolling over for, I don't know how many years now, uh, but that'll be awesome against North Dakota. There's always a great turnout. Uh, a lot of North Dakota fans travel down a lot of people in the community who may not uh, otherwise attend UNO hockey games regularly, make a point of going to that series. So, uh, should be great
0: for those of you who are planning your spring and want to hear it from us i guess if you haven't googled it uh frozen face off in saint paul march 18th 19th so mark your calendars plan your spring accordingly i have the distinct baxter
1: i have the distinct distinction (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 of having attended. Way to put those the, two together. Of having, yeah, that was that was wonderful verbiage there, John. Uh, I have the I had the pleasure, I guess that that would be better to say, pleasure of attending the last NCHC Frozen Face Off that was held in Saint Paul back in 2019. Bridget and I won tickets from UNO. We had to race to pick them up at a local bank branch here where UNO uh, was handing them out, and we made it there, and we went on that trip. And it was a ton of fun. We had a great time that weekend, and we would love to go again. We had planned to go in twenty twenty, that obviously went to hell. It didn't happen last year, so that'd be a that'd be a, a cool event to go to. Regardless of whether UNO gets there, it's a it's a neat deal. So we'll see how they do. Because if UNO's look at NCAA uh, tournament ready at that point, and they didn't make it to the NCHC Frozen face-off, we might wait for. A trip to the regionals so we'll just have to see uh, what happens but it'd be cool if you and O made it there and uh, we would go and depending on what's going on with you guys and the girls with their youth hockey you guys might consider going and i know a lot of fans would enjoy that so yeah it's a great event if you get a chance to go
0: so for all these home games particularly since so many of them occur right here at the beginning of the season I think we need to talk about the changes and kind of what's happening at Baxter so that uh, those of you who are listening that are planning to attend again uh, know what you're getting yourselves into. Uh, Let's start with what we kind of don't know that we know that we don't know that we might know. I don't know. (laughs) It's very confusing. Right. Uh, I think we should start with how you get in. Okay. So the ticketing system, we have heard nothing about... Season tickets going out, or you know, some sort of pickup event like they've done in the past. Um, so there's just there's just no information that that the university's right. putting out, that the team's putting out on that. What we do know is is that you can log in if you're a season ticket holder, you can log into your account, and you can use the mobile tickets and download those. Now, a couple years ago, they had gone kind of mobile. Only or, I guess, digital ticket only. Um, And then it seemed like they were going back to paper tickets.
1: Right, right, right. So the 2019-20 season, they had the, uh, that was the last season that they had the uh, tickets that were the credit cards that had the QR code on the back. So each seat was a credit card, like a credit card. And that was your season ticket into the game. And there was also a lanyard pass, too, that if you chose to wear it as a lanyard, you could use that to get in. And or if you wanted to, like Jason just uh, just mentioned, and we had a podcast on how Jason was able to use one ticket (laughs) the entire season because the QR code was basically the same. But you could also... uh, you could also use them mobily and uh Jason and I are are Apple aficionados and and they don't sponsor this podcast, but it would be awesome if they did. And so uh we call know us, that you, Tim Cook, call him. we yeah, we know that you can put those tickets in wallet on your uh iOS device, which is very, very handy. And uh, I can't remember, it's it's been a while since we had talked about this, Um, I can't remember if you said that uh, the ticket would show up in Wallet on your Apple Watch too, so you could just show them the barcode on that and they could scan it.
0: At the beginning of the season, it didn't, but towards the end, it would. It did, okay. It would pull up. From the very beginning, it did use the geolocation, which was kind of nice. So once you got to the rink, great, um, it'd pull up on my phone. So I just had to walk in with it, which was in, which was in really a, cool because yeah. it's right there for you.
1: In addition, at that time, you could also print out your ticket on eight and a half by eleven paper if you actually own a printer. So there was that. Now, for this season, as Jason just alluded to, we think it's all digital since last season during COVID. Um, and They didn't really do season tickets last year just to give people a refresher And for people who don't know. They didn't do the season tickets, but if you were a season ticket holder, you kind of got first right of refusal to buy tickets to uh, the second half home games. There were seven of them, and uh, we ended up getting a a pair of tickets for each of the seven home games, and you could either print them out or transfer the digital ones to your wallet uh, on your iPhone or whatever, android uses i i don't know what the what the android equivalent of that is uh, jason do you know
0: i don't remember what I, I don't know we right don't we,
1: jason and i don't care about android so we just know how to do it i
0: just can't keep <laughs> up with it because every phone's different so i'm like and, yeah whatever candy you're dealing with on android it and, probably works on whatever candy right. cane or whatever it is exactly
1: yeah. <laughs> candy cane or you know hot fudge Sunday or Whichever cream, version. I don't
0: know, sprinkles, whatever. Yeah.
1: And your Android device may or may not actually be getting updated to the latest version of uh Android. It's it's hard to say. So anyway, enough tech talk there. So last <laughs> season they basically did the digital ticket thing, and I'm wondering if they're just if if that's the route we're gonna go. Because like you said, we hadn't heard anything about any sort of season ticket holder pickup event. Last season Prior to COVID, we had heard at the end of the 2019-20 season that they were potentially going to go back to a nice paper ticket book that, you know, people could have as kind of a souvenir deal for the 2020-21 season. But obviously because the season sort of went to hell, that did not happen. So I'm assuming at this point we would have heard if they were doing some sort of season ticket book event which i'm assuming they're not going to do a season ticket event because of covid and everything else they just might not want to take
0: that risk. Uh, i mean certainly if they yeah, did I mean, it, my the assumption team is wouldn't they wouldn't there. want to risk it yeah i just wish they would like for me it's like i i'll figure it out i'm fine yeah, yeah. i i like the the digital stuff i like you know uh, yes i like the convenience of it like i understand you and having to deal with your dad and and the complexities of that and Yeah, because so I can see the need for the the paper tickets, but it's like I really wish that the university would just come out and say like, "All right, this is the way we are going to do it." Because the sooner that they come out and do that, the sooner that like you and I can talk about like, "Here's what to expect. Right? Here's how this is going to work. You need to be prepared for this." But like, we don't know. We don't know if we have to be prepared for a digital only experience. You know, one of the things we need to talk about is the if you're someone who likes to buy a, a beer at the game or a hot dog or whatever, like they went cashless last year because of COVID and we're sticking with that. Yeah. So if you plan on just pulling out your wallet and handing them a $5 bill for something, you can't buy anything for five bucks, handing them a $10 bill or something. I mean, they're not going to take it. They've got no way to take it. So yeah. you need to be prepared to have your credit card um, and, and be able to tap, swipe, plug in your credit card or, um, I know the, the system takes Apple pay and Android pay and I don't know, it probably takes PayPal and, and other things as well, but, um,
1: Bitcoin, you know, Dogecoin, yeah. Venmo.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want the day that, the day that we can buy our, our UNO season tickets in Bitcoin will be one heck of a podcast. Uh, but like, you gotta be prepared for that. And, but that's the thing that we know, like we know they came out and said, you know, that that Baxter was going to continue to be cashless location. And so that's what you need. You know, we can help you guys as listeners, as fans. This is what you need to be prepared for. Um, But I can't with tickets. And it's just part of it's just me being like frustrated because I want to be able to give people, you know, some honest feedback about how things are going to go. And I can't because I don't know, just like you don't know.
1: Yeah, and I the the tough thing, and you mentioned my dad, and my dad's eighty, and he uh, he comes to the game on one of our season tickets, and obviously he comes himself, and he comes at a different time than we do, and he does not have a smartphone. He has a uh, a flip phone. He is he is not the uh, the master of smartphone technology at all, and so for him, when we had like at least the credit card tickets, it was nice because he could keep that in his wallet all the time. So he didn't have to worry about forgetting it. It was there. He put that in. It was great. Now we can print him off tickets on our printer. We can do that for him each week. If we want to, Uh, you can also go to the box office and get your season tickets printed off. If you would like an actual physical ticket. So I know that they will do that, but it, it, it does create an interesting thing. And yes, I know that we're all used to using, Smartphones. You and I did a podcast about this when the NCHC fra- frozen face-off in 2020, the one that was canceled, was going to go paperless. And I had a long rant where Jason looked like he was about ready to strangle
0: me across the... <laughs> we really have to do these podcasts on video.
1: <laughs> but there are, you know as well as I do, there are a lot of folks who are just more comfortable... Even if they have smartphones, some people are just more comfortable having the paper ticket, and it also makes it easier for them to give it to somebody else. Yes, you can transfer a ticket to somebody else via email, but sometimes it's nice to just be able to hand a neighbor a ticket or hand a coworker a ticket. Um, and and on the concession point, I would just say I, I'm the type of person, I use cash at concessions um, all the time. I am not a credit card guy. And um, I'd imagine that there are quite a few people during a typical season who are the same way. Um, we all understand why they they don't want, you know, handling money and all of that. But uh, it definitely creates a different dynamic for people coming to a game,
0: uh, having to deal with some of that stuff. So the last thing to talk about, about policies at Baxter and what to expect going to a home game is what I'm sure, you know, Half the people in the podcast will be upset about and the other half <laughs> of you will be thrilled that they're doing it this way i really don't care which side you're on so please stop with all the chatter about it the fact is you will have to wear a mask while you're at baxter 100 of the time they will turn you away if you show up without one and they don't have them they will have some on hand i saw them say that but it's limited supply so if you show up and they don't have any masks for you, you're gonna to have to leave and go get one somewhere else and come back right. or something. So um be prepared. I did see something that it's all that this policy is in place for the first half of the season. That I, I assume then that they're gonna use that time to kind of make a decision as to what they're gonna do. And in reevaluate the, half of the season. Yeah. But at this point in time we have to assume at least for the first half of the season that uh it's going to be a requirement
1: yeah i would say so and having attended last season obviously masks were a requirement then you know the the policy was you had to wear your mask unless you were drinking or eating food so obviously there were people who would nurse one of those gigantic beers that they sell at baxter arena for two and a half hours so- that would that would be that would be, you know there there was a there was a it it let's just put it let's just put it this way enforcement was not particularly tight and there were only 1500 people in the building so I would imagine with more people enforcement's not going to be tight but it is a requirement I think that that's a good idea I know that uh you know we still wear a mask to go places I know we're very much in the minority and uh I know some people don't agree with that and so I don't I don't really want to get into a debate. But I actually feel better that they have the policy in place. So I don't have a bunch of people, why the hell are you wearing a mask, dude? Right. <laughs> hey, I guess I guess we you look at the bright side. If you're not happy about the masks, at least they don't have a vaccine requirement yet,
0: right? <laughs> Which, you know, we talk about it with the we in the podcast back when when we talked about the mobile tickets, we talked about that because um that was at the same time that the NHL went to digital tickets. Yep um and and went away from paper tickets and i still deal with that with the avalanche games that we go back to and stuff to is that and and the tickets that i have you know i'm just now getting through this season and sending tickets to people that have bought my season tickets and so it's like i have to get to this like all right transfer tickets send it to email you know right. the system works pretty well but it is something just to to be aware of and be prepared for
1: yeah Exactly right. I, I you know I think most people can adapt just fine. And again, the people who want tickets can go to the box office and get that. But uh, but yeah, so those are those are some of the new things that are that are in place. You know, I kind of miss the I kind of miss the the good old days when you know clear plastic bags were the were the thing that was really annoying about going <laughs> going to events and going into Baxter Arena around here. But Bridget and I got our vaccinations about the same time that you and Jolene did. And and we did that in anticipation of being able to go to hockey this year uh, and having that extra layer of protection. So, um, you know, we're close to the season as we're recording this podcast. So if if you've been on the fence about getting a vaccination, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Just, you know, because you're going to be in a big crowd. You're going to be cheering, having a good time. And just it's one less thing to worry about, right? Right. Not, not that, not that, not that people are worried about it, but you know, just one of those things. So, so yeah. So.
0: So a new season brings about some new rules. I don't understand why they feel like they have to tinker with everything all the time, but so be it. Whatever.
1: I think just so Jason and I can have a really a really convoluted discussion on the podcast, right?
0: I I I swear sometimes they make like policy changes at Baxter just so they're like, gee, John and Chase need something to talk about. So let's let's do this. They can rant <laughs> about this for an hour. Uh so really, you know, a lot of the changes to the rule book this year at the NCAA level at least are are essentially solidifying things that this is the way it worked anyway. So we're just gonna like make it work this way. Like I think of The one that comes to mind, you know, right off the top of my head is the post-game handshake. They removed the requirement um, where coaches and players have to assemble to shake hands after the game. Essentially, they're saying, like, each league gets to decide what's the best, the safest way um, to do it to show sportsmanship. So it's like, you know what? Fine. Like, that's kind of what we did last year anyways. So you removed it from the rule book just to, to make it official, basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, the it's defi- that are in- definitely a sign of the times, right, Jason?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> twenty years from now, when we do a podcast and we look back and you know, remember when what they used to shake because of the COVID, yeah. right?
1: See, they could they could have uh, made it more of a more of a, a a rule like you know you can shake a hand, but then you have to use hand sanitizer, and then you can shake it. An- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that's that's that might be for the best, too. I it sometimes it just seems kind of belabored anyway. So,
0: yep, I always had that. I always wondered about that. Like, man, is a heated game. They always did great about it but it's like do you really want to put yourself in that position? That well, and I'll tell you too it was, over, but... it was
1: it was a lot a lot of times it was kind of interesting cuz you would see players uh that you uh you know that they would like give each other hugs on opposite teams and you would think, you know, it's possible that they played juniors together, uh played mm-hmm. youth hockey, high school hockey together and so um that was always kind of neat to see. Too, but yeah, like you said, uh, yeah, it's you always wondered if it was going to result in uh, fisticuffs in some of these games, yeah. so it's probably just better to do away with that.
0: So, yep, couple changes to face offs. Uh, the attacking team does get to choose the location of the face off, they've done that before, NHL's done that for uh, a couple seasons now, so having that kind of trickle down to the NHL level, I think, is nice, and then, um, the there was, I think, we talked about it actually uh, one season about the change to uh, the face-off dots. If uh, if a player um, jumps the gun, they get thrown out of the dot. Now yep. they're not getting thrown out of the face-off dot. They're given a warning if they if anyone on the team does it again. So you can't just like swap out your centers to kind of get around this rule. Uh, if any other player in in the same face-off uh, is is given a second warning basically that second yeah. warning is a bench minor to the team so anyone on the ice will have to serve that bench minor uh a little i think it's a little surprising <laughs> to me that it's not like you're not giving it to that player and i think a lot of that probably just comes from you could have one guy go in there you know, get a warning, have him come out, bring someone else in, and then it's a question of, like, is it the first guy's fault or the second guy's fault? So I can kind of see where they get from with that. But it is kind of odd that it's a, you know, it's a bench miter, and in theory, like, as a center, I could just go in there and, like, keep attacking the face off, jumping the gun a little bit on it or something, and watch all my team, my entire team go to the bench.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a situation, kind of like a delay of game penalty where somebody's going to the box, but it may not be you, you know, it
0: may not be the guy who committed the infraction. Yep.
1: Yep. So, so hopefully that'll, you know, I, I'm trying to remember the exact point when face-offs really became a problem (laughs) 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 because I I watched college hockey for years and face-offs were never really an issue. Then all of a sudden it became an issue. And, and uh, I don't know why. And I don't know that you know why.
0: Um, I think it's, I don't know this, like, it kind of speeds up the game. It it creates a little bit more of a, it creates an easier situation for the linesman.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: Dropping that puck, because, you know, it used to be, like, back in my day and stuff, I mean, it, like, getting into the face-off dot was was a a grudge match down there. Like, there was no, there was not this, like like the the minute you got even the inkling that the puck might get dropped i mean you were usually just like you know following yeah, 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 the guy yeah, in front yeah, of you it's like yeah i don't care about the puck that's my wings job right and it's like so i can kind of see where they i guess i can kind of see where they're going with it it's just sure. it's, some of the rules are just kind of like it's weird it's yeah. just weird i get yep. what they're going at but it's just weird exactly uh The other thing that I thought was interesting, and I'm going to read this one because, okay, at, at least the site that I have, the the NCAA.org uh, site. Because Jason
1: just and I, Jason and I, do not want to get in trouble. We have we have been added at many times because no, no, you guys didn't explain the rule right, and it's like, well, if they quit coming up with these convoluted rules, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have to get confused by them. But yes.
0: The, the five-step process. So, right. all right, here we go. So, the spinorama-type move where the player completes a 360-degree turn as the player approaches the goal shall not be permitted. So, interesting because you can still do them in the NHL because the rule in the NHL is, is that a player in possession of the puck has the same is under the same rights as the player. So the face-off rule is that... The, the shootout rule is that you have to continually move up the ice. Uh, you have to be making an effort to go. You can't go backwards. Puck always has to kind of be moving. Well, the the spinner spinorama rule has always been kind of a weird one because the puck does move away from the goaltender. It moves backwards right. in the process of doing your 360-degree turn by right. definition. Like, if you don't understand that um i don't know call my daughter she'll explain it what a 360 degree turn is and how that works um but it's always been allowed because the player is still making progress towards the, the net, net. The ice, right yeah. towards the net so it's just this is one of those that i'm like okay but why <laughs> What exactly so, did we do with this? Because
1: so Tyler Weiss can't make any of his uh, fancy moves.
0: I well, I mean, he's still got he still got a few there. In the, <laughs> I think the repertoire with his uh, with his puck skills. I I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up with something. But it's like, but I kind of like the like I kind of like some of those those 360 degree turns and like I do too. I mean, the next thing they're gonna do like. I fully well expect next year that there's going to be like, they're going to outlaw the Michigan move or something. And it's like, come on.
1: We just like, make, if I want to lacrosse anymore. style the
0: thing into the net, then I think I should be able to do that. Cause well, it's we, just
1: we've, kind of we've, crazy. we've talked a lot about how, you know, back when I started watching college hockey in the mid 1990s, it was a much more physical game than it is today. And it was fun to watch. And, uh, as somebody who grew up as a football fan here in Nebraska, it was, it was great. But, uh, more and more, it seems like they're moving more towards a, a kind of a more of a finesse type of game, and and now they're moving to a game that apparently is not going to have you know cool moves and tricks either, just straight up and down the ice, man. It's...
0: Right, you move from physical to finesse, and now it's like this is this is one of those things that like, it's, <laughs> it's a rule that kind of takes the finesse out of it. I guess I don't know. Yeah, like I don't get it. Not, nah, but know. whatever. Right. It is it what, is it, what is. it is. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, I'm literally in my head trying to think of when's the last time I've actually seen someone try to do this, not in, like, an NHL skills competition. <laughs> you hockey. I know, right? Like, yep. who cares then? Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, college or NA, even NHL, like, when the last time someone even tried to do this. So... All right, whatever. I don't
1: know. I'm sure somebody will let us know.
0: So, John, talk to us a little bit about uh our new athletic director and well, that, kind of the history was... around that because I am hands off on this one.
1: Yeah, okay. So so Jason, he's already for those of you who aren't watching, Jason has already I'm watching him on FaceTime here, he's already sat back in his chair. But uh, Trev Alberts leaving UNO uh, this off was a was a big uh, a big change for the UNO athletic department. Certainly, uh, since he arrived at UNO in two thousand nine, uh, a lot of changes have occurred. Uh, certainly, the hiring of Dean Blaze that year was a big one. Uh, the announcement of the move to the WCHA was a was a was a. Uh, a big move in that early year and obviously that helped set up UNO for the eventual realignment that resulted in the NCHC and uh you know the building of Baxter Arena the building of the new baseball complex uh across the creek from Baxter Arena all of those were big moves that at the time he was hired uh, didn't seem like they were going to happen and uh for those who don't know back in uh 2006 2007 in that time frame there was a lot of turmoil within the athletic department um, uh, booster club money blue line club money uh, the the chancellor uh, at that time was kind of using it uh, as her own personal slush fund that came out in the news henry Cortis did a uh, either an article or a series of articles it's it's been 12 years i can't remember on that and uh a lot changed in the athletic department. Uh, Bob Dannenauer, who had been the athletic director at the time, uh, I can't remember if he had already left UNO or was about to leave UNO, but he left UNO uh, during those years. And so there was a, there was a push uh, to bring in a new athletic director. And at that time, Mike Kemp, who was the hockey coach at UNO, had put kind of his, uh, his name in the hat to be athletic director, and he was one of the finalists. And I remember he was actually interviewed uh, during the intermission at a pre-recorded interview during a a game at Michigan State uh, that UNO was playing that season where he said he was uh, going to uh, put his name in the hat for the athletic director job. And uh, he would be inclined to give up head coaching duties at that point. So there were a lot of people who thought Mike Kemp would end up being the athletic director that year. Ultimately, they ended up going with uh, another gentleman, a guy by the name of uh, David Miller. And um, so for the next couple of years, uh, it was uh, or excuse me, I think uh, David Herbster was at that. Yeah, David Herbster was at that point in time. So yeah. Um, No, I'm sorry. David Herpster was part of the turmoil in 2007. So, yes, Dan and I was gone. David Herpster had been athletic director. He then had to leave. Mike Kemp put his hat in the ring. Ultimately, a guy named David Miller, another guy named David, was hired. He was there for two years. He left and took the job at Upper Iowa University. And UNO was looking to kind of shake things up. So they hired Trev Alberts as athletic director and – it was, a, it was a bold move, a guy who had been a, a star linebacker uh, at the University of Nebraska. He had been a sportscaster on, uh, on national television, coming to be the athletic director. No previous administrative experience, but he really grew into the job, and now he's uh, in charge of a uh, Husker Athletics down at Lincoln. So Mike Kemp, the, the, man, the man who had put his hat in the ring, low those many years ago, is now interim athletic director, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets the gig. Uh, certainly, it creates an uh, an interesting situation for UNO. You, we, you, and I've talked about this. The question is, does a you know a situation where you have a brand new chancellor, does she decide to bring in a, a fresh athletic director to give a fresh perspective, or they do they go with the tried and true and Mike Kemp here? Uh, since UNO really isn't on a trajectory where they're shaking things up and doing a lot of new things, they've built. Uh, most of the facilities they're, they're going to do, the athletic teams participating in the Summit League and the NCHC are doing, uh, doing well and they're having success. So uh, Mike Kemp, after all these years, finally in charge of the athletic department. Uh, it's been a long wait for him. Uh, certainly he's been around a long time. And that is probably more than anybody wanted to know. I'm sure that that's more than Jason wanted to know. But it was a very interesting period. Back back uh, during those years, a lot of uh, interesting things happened, and and certainly, uh, Coach Camp was there for all of it. So uh, he's the guy in charge right now, and uh, I'll be interested to see if he uh, gets the job permanently.
0: What are your What are your thoughts? Do you think A? Do you think that he gets it, and B? What do you think that means for the university and the direction that they're going to take?
1: You know, I, I'm i kind of of a mindset right now, I'll be perfectly honest with you, where I don't necessarily want them to shake things up or bring somebody new into the athletic department. And part of it was having been around during that 07 time frame where you had, I think, like three athletic directors in four years plus some interim uh, folks in there. Um, I would rather have it a situation where – Mike Kemp, obviously he's in his late 60s where he was athletic director for uh, maybe a few years and maybe uh, either somebody who's currently in administration athletics or they bring somebody in from the outside to kind of uh, uh, get to know the athletic department, get to know the culture at UNO, have them kind of, uh, you know, lower on the uh, organizational chart, have that person come in, uh, be here, kind of learn the ropes Get to know the community, get to know the fans and the boosters, and have a situation like that where it's more of a transition, more of a, a smoother thing as opposed to to bringing in somebody brand new. That's kind of where I'm at. Hmm. And you may have a different opinion. You, I know some people have. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I would say that I, I have a different thought just okay. because like, I look at the... I look at the university, I look at athletics and what role it plays at the university. And I don't know that they're in a position where the status quo is going to get them further down the road. I do not see them... I don't see them in a bad position. I just see... I see a lot of opportunity for growth in athletics at UNO and I question whether or not they can grow with someone who's been doing this for a while, who's been there doing it this way at this place. And to say like, and I guess it's just a personality thing for me. Like, I mean, glimpse into jason's mind right like right. one of the worst things you can ever say to me is well we want to do it this way because we've always done it sure. this sure like i hate with a passion when people say well like that's the way it's always been done because it's like for me like that's a cop out right it's it's i don't want to do anything i don't want to actually do any work so we want to just keep doing it the way we've done it and and so i really don't want to see the university just kind of even for a few years in a status quo kind of of mentality because i think that it can be very difficult to get out of that you look at it, universities that it have definitely been that, can like, be yeah right like if you have no vision for the future if you have no you know expectations for where this program goes like i think that's what trev alberts excelled at is he saw a vision of this is where this university can be in five years 10 years whatever it may be and he was willing to make short-term sacrifices to get there, right? And, and make some what you make some about,
1: controversial decisions for sure, right?
0: And people, you know, hated him for that. Really, like, right? There was a lot of just raw emotion around those those decisions, and not not to not to say whether or not the decision he made was was the right decision or something but it was necessary to get the university to where it is now. So to say that it is a wrong decision would also say that you don't agree with where the university is now and what they're doing, that you see, you know, that being different. And so I, I just don't see it that way in the sense of like hockey is a, we're playing in the best league in the country, in my opinion. Right. We're playing against, Every season, multiple games against top teams in the country. Right, we have a chance to win, so we're not just getting slotted every time we go out. Right, nice. You know, we've we're uh, they've got a competitive team. You know, baseballs had really good seasons. Yep. Basketball's been, you know, within reach of conference titles. Uh, you know volleyball's had some massive wins against ranked opponents and big teams. And recently, yeah, they've, yeah. So it's like these programs are, are doing well, but they're not, you know, they're not where I think that, that they probably want to be. Like, I think that basketball, if you ask the players and you ask the coaching staff, I would expect that basketball says they want to win, you know, a title and they haven't done it yet. You know? Right, And, and I so, think volleyball wants yeah. to win a title. They haven't done it yet. Volleyball wants to be in the tournament. They haven't done it yet. Basketball sure. should be in the tournament. Like, I still think that a goal of UNO basketball should be to win a, an NCAA tournament game before Lincoln.
1: Right, and it's, it's very possible that they are, are not in the conference to get that done. Obviously, the Summit League is kind of dominated by the, the Dakota schools, the North uh, and South Dakota schools. And so to your point... To your point, because obviously I came across as the status quo. And part of that's because I was a student at UNO for five years. Bridget taught a course there after we graduated. We've been involved with the Alumni Association. I was a Blue Line Club board member. And as you say, sometimes, you know, you can have a a very much a preset kind of culture that's hard to shake up. And and certainly having, having been involved with UNO this many years, they definitely kind of have that. So they there. It can it can be kind of a hard situation when somebody new comes in and shakes that up. But to your point about we look at hockey and we look at the success they have and they very, very successful program, successful sports team in the community probably the best conference in college hockey, very competitive program. There aren't problems there, but when you look at something like the Summit League, the question is, is it the mid-major conference that UNO needs to be in in the future to start to make things like the NCAA tournament in men's basketball or the NCAA tournament in volleyball or uh, uh, the College World Series for the uh, baseball team? Uh, and the softball team, for that matter. So you do make a good point. Do you need somebody who's going to be forward-thinking and have a vision and be willing to go out and raise the kind of funds and the kind of money that they're going to need to move into a conference that uh, that the schools may be better funded, they may uh, offer more scholarships, that type of thing? And maybe you do. Maybe you need somebody who's younger, who's energetic, who wants to go out and do that. And the question is whether there's somebody in athletics or here in the community who could be that person or whether they would have to go, you know, somewhere else in the country. I mean, the other thing you could look at, too, there are a number of teams in the conference uh, looking at the NCHC uh, as an example that have uh, female athletic directors. Maybe it's time for UNO to have a female athletic director, too. Uh, Somebody brought that point up to me. There's a, there's a lot of interesting dynamic going on here. And for some reason I'm in a status quo mode, Jason. And I, I don't know why, uh, in years past, I, you know.
0: And we don't know, like, I think that's the, the part that I don't know. So I can't speak intelligently, but the question that I would have, um, given the opportunity to, to talk to, you know, Kemp or, you know, the current president, um, you know, even, even Nebraska board is, it's like, what, what role do you see UNO playing as an institution um, in the city? What is the vision? Do you want more, you know, athletics? We've asked the question before about, does it make sense? And and are they planning on bringing in, you know, a D one or D three tier women's hockey program, since you already have Baxter and you already have the facilities, does it make sense to bring on that program where the cost to do so is not as much as what, you know, a school that's trying to start it from scratch would be. Right. right. Uh, and I don't know. I don't like that may not be in their, in their plan at all. It may be, they may not have a plan. And that's the question of whoever they're interviewing for that position is, it should be what, what is that vision? Where are you know, we in five years? You know, right. with Mike Kemp, like you mentioned his age. Are you here in five years? Because I would really, I'd rather see someone come in and and have a vision for five years and have an opportunity to implement it than to say like, all right, we're going to put someone in for a couple of years just to get us through you know this time period, like I don't, I don't want to kick the can down the road, kind of thing.
1: Sure, and I and I completely understand that point. And at UNO, and it was, uh, I, I'm glad that you brought up the political situation with the Board of Regents. It because it definitely is. I mean, part of the reason Trev Alberts was hired was because he was somebody who would appeal uh, to these Regents who are elected from all over the state of Nebraska. And uh, he could mesh well with the powers that be in the Nebraska university system. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Husker athletics is kind of like they're the, they're the, they're the big daddy as far as athletics go in the state. So UNO under Trev Alberts was really able to carve out something nice for themselves Uh, rather than just being a division two athletic department with a division one hockey program. They were able to move all sports to division one and, build really nice facilities for their athletic teams and, and that type of thing. And that's because he was really good at playing the political game and uh, he, he fit well in kind of the sort of big small town culture that uh, we have in, in places like Omaha and Lincoln. So I don't know, it would have to, it, it, it would be intriguing if that happened because I would love to see them achieve more as an athletic department, But it has to be somebody who fits into kind of the political realities that we have uh, here in the state as far as uh, the NU system goes. And it would be interesting to see if, uh, you know, the Regents and uh, Husker Athletics would be down with UNO, uh, you know, having more funding and more success in men's men's and women's basketball, volleyball, et cetera. Because uh, if they were on a more even uh, playing field, that could get really, really interesting if you had – creighton basketball husker basketball and uno basketball uh competing for the ncaa tournament every year Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens jason
0: it will it will it will it will so i think our last that will wrap up here uh for those that are wondering when we're going to make our picks and talk about uh, (laughs) the team and the players and there's you know incoming freshmen and a graduate transfer that we have to talk about. Uh, you're going to want to tune in next week because yep. that's when we're going to go through. Uh, so you've got a week to anticipate who I'm going to pick as the his, 2023 his net. <laughs> net. national champion. Because I seem to be a little off when I make my predictions. And you Wait, can,
1: 2022, uh... Jason, not 2023.
0: No, because remember, like I picked Wisconsin; they had a oh, terrible so season, you don't, so you and don't then the next year, Wisconsin year. did good, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, I just uh, for the last <laughs> few years, it seems like I've always been a year off on who I pick. So. Oh,
1: okay. That you're you're absolutely right. So Jason's going to pick like the the hot upstart team with all the good recruits, and then they're just going to tank this season. Then the following season, they'll have a good NCAA tournament run. That sounds right. that sounds uh, that sounds great, Jason. I'll be interested to hear that. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I guess I would say until next time. Uh hopefully we'll see a bunch of you guys at the uh InterSquad Scrimmage on September 26th at Baxter Arena. If you're a UNO season ticket holder, you can go. Uh you have to reserve uh reserve uh your spot on your um my account on the OMAVs website. Uh and you can also bring uh You can also invite guests to that, and if the guests end up buying a full season or half season hockey season ticket package, uh, you'll have an opportunity to get a basketball ticket. And we couldn't tell if it was just a ticket to a game in the club seats or it was an actual season ticket to basketball. Uh, Your wife and my wife and me and you, we read that. So we'll see if we can get a little bit of clarification on that. Uh, So be sure to follow us on facebook and on twitter and on mathpuck.com and we'll have uh, an update on that uh, we'll, we'll contact somebody uh, right around the time that this podcast uh, is dropping online uh, to see if we can get some clarification on that
0: so till next time when we get to talk about players on the team and what's on the ice and
1: jason's crazy predictions go maps
0: go maps